Welcome to Alec Across the States. I'm your host, Dan Reynolds. The state-focused premier policy podcast is coming at you again. Today I'm sitting down with one of Alec's own senior directors. He runs the Criminal Justice Task Force as well as the Civil Justice Task Force. Ronald Lampard, thank you very much for sitting down in the podcast studio today with me. Well, thank you very much for having me. Of course, of course. So today we have a very interesting conversation for all of our um, sports heads out there, all the guys who get really into the games, getting into betting, getting into calling the shots. Ronald, talk to me about sports betting, online sports betting, and different aspects like that. What's going on? Well, a lot's going on right now. Uh, so in 2018, about a year and a half ago, almost two years now, the Supreme Court struck down a federal law that essentially prevented states from enacting sports betting in their respective states. So after that, states, once states were able to enact sports betting in their respective state, a lot of states said, hey, this is a, something that we need to look at. A lot of states already had bills pre-filed in the event that the Supreme Court ruled in their favor. And one of those states, of course, was the state of New Jersey, who's had legalized sports betting since 2018. And since then, it's just taken off. I mean, you've had 43 states consider legislation on sports betting. Not now, not all of those states have passed full-blown sports betting, but at the same time, it's an issue that's trending, and it's an issue that's trending upward. I mean, even within the last few months, you saw the state of Michigan, Representative Brant Iden's sports betting package passed and was signed by the governor in December. And they realized that, hey, neighboring states have legalized sports betting. And those states included the state of Indiana and the state of Illinois, which Illinois has legalized sports betting, but has not implemented yet implemented it yet and and that's those are michigan's neighbors so sure, people right. could so, just go right across the border and that's exactly what they were doing and yeah. they were going across the border or in the alternative what they were doing is they were still continuing people in michigan were still continuing to bet illegally which um is problematic for a number of reasons because at that point you don't get any of the benefits of legalized sports betting and you get all of the risks so you still have problematic uh behavior you don't re- you can't really address uh, addicts uh, and people who are addicted to gambling or just have addiction problems and one of the things that these states have done that have passed sports betting is they actually have a fund where some of the money goes to it actually goes to treatment services for um, gambling addiction so when you legalize sports betting it provides you get all of the benefits and you don't and you lose all of the quote unquote um bad actors and people who might be regulating sports betting. You want actual licensed operators regulating it. You don't want people taking bets like Tony Soprano or Paul Gaultieri. We were just going to get into, right? I'd I'd much rather um, have my day in court if there was some sort of discrepancy than my day at uh, Satrial's pork store with Tony uh, dealing with the discrepancy in my sports betting, I think. (laughs) Absolutely. No, you're 100% right. You'd You'd want a a lawful chance and a, and a fair chance to um, dispute any issues, but more so you'd want someone to, you want it to be regulated because at that point you can have people resolve discrepancies in wagers. So for example, let's say, and a lot of states have done this, let's say the state of Michigan authorizes the use of or mandates the use of official league data from major league baseball if there are any discrepancies in the bets then 
Major League Baseball resolves those discrep that that data resolves those discrepancies, not some third party. And especially, you don't want a guy like Tony Soprano or Paulie Gultieri <laughs> deciding whether or not you won your bet. Because or God forbid, Chris Moltisanti. I mean, that would not be fun at all. Or, or Junior, yeah, <laughs> any any of them really. I mean, just you know, I, I certainly wouldn't want to go collect at the uh, at Satriales or the Bada Bing for that matter. Nope, nope, nope. I, I definitely would not uh, want to do that either. Um, so we talked a little bit about Michigan and how they just passed this. They're kind of uh, some one of the newer guys doing it. And then we first talked about New Jersey. So New Jersey's been doing it for a little while now. What sort of benefits? has New Jersey seen that maybe other states can uh, look to as a benefit if they were to pass this, or maybe that Michigan will see soon? Sure. So uh, Michigan's going to see an increase of revenue. Uh, This revenue does fluctuate. It's not usually said a lot of times states have projected very, very high uh, revenues. For example, uh, Virginia uh, formed a study committee last year and determined that in a completely open market with casino paramutuals and mobile operator operators offering sports betting that they would see a, a tax win that it would generate 462 million dollars in revenue which mm, wow. is a ton but it, that's not necessarily set in stone mm-hmm. it, it's go, that's going to fluctuate year to year and sometimes these estimates are a lot higher than normal but nevertheless it's still money yeah. states are still receiving benefits are still receiving tax benefits and people are benefiting from regulated sports gaming. And, and now people who live in Michigan are not going to have to feel, well, if I want to bet legally, they're a law-abiding citizen, I'm going to have to go to Indiana. No, now you can stay in your home state of Michigan and bet there. And it's the same place and it's the same situation in um, New Jersey where people, New Jersey was the first state to authorize legalized sports betting. and. New Jersey's seen a lot of these benefits that other states that are around New Jersey initially were not. And and I think another good example is the state of Maryland. So Maryland has now seen itself really surrounded by D.C., which is past sports betting is in the process of implementing it. Uh, Pennsylvania as well, and West Virginia. So they're kind of boxed in on all sides. And, mm-hmm. and Virginia's considering a bill this year. There was a bill, as I mentioned before, that was that's pre-filed this year that would legalize sports betting. So a lot of these states are realizing that, hey, in order to see these see benefits and not ha- economic benefits and not have people move to, uh, to other states or not necessarily move, but go place bets in other states, that's we need to consider legalization of sports betting. And this, yeah. this is happening all over the country. So... Thanks very much for breaking down some of the trends. It sounds like that we're going to be seeing in 2020, or maybe we could see um, states that are either interested or in a good spot um, to pass sports betting. What are some states that maybe are the opposite, that are not in a good spot, or they have big barriers uh, to entry into this market? So I'm going to discuss six states here. Oh, and, wow. <laughs> um, but one, so five of them can be lumped into one package. So Alaska, Idaho, Nebraska, Wisconsin, and Wyoming all have laws prohibiting full-blown sports betting. So these laws need to be appealed or or amended first before sports betting can be passed in those states. And in Utah, it's highly, highly unlikely that sports betting will be passed. And the reason why, there's actually a constitutional amendment Uh, preventing uh, any kind of gambling gambling, in the state of Utah. So that's 
those are some states where it's unlikely. So if you're planning on going salmon fishing uh, in Alaska and you also want to place a sports bet, it's unlikely that you will be able to do that. If you plan on going skiing in Deer Valley in Utah and you'd like to say, oh, well, after we're done skiing, we'll head down to the casino and place a bet. There are no casinos and there are no bets to place. So um, sorry to burst your bubble. <laughs> That's too bad. Um, what do different sports leagues what what is the nba saying what is nfl saying what is mlb what are these different leagues what are their thoughts on it how have they come down um on this issue if they have it all well initially before the supreme court decision they were on the other side of the issue saying that arguing for the constitutionality of the federal statute actually to be upheld and to... And just for our listeners, can you describe that federal statute that was uh, overturned just a little bit in general? Sure. It's the, it was known as the Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act. It was a federal law that prevented states from legalized sports gambling. And what it did was it, it set a time. So by a certain date in, in the early 90s, I believe it was 1992, states had to essentially go out and either legalize sports betting or not legalize sports betting. And if they did not legalize sports betting by a certain date, then they were prevented from authorizing it in the future. Mm. And so Nevada obviously had legalized uh, sports betting. Uh, Delaware as well, where you could bet a parlay, which is a series of bets. You had to bet at least three on one ticket in the state of Delaware. Uh, And Oregon even had a... um, had authorized sports betting to a lesser degree. So once those three states had passed sports betting and other states didn't, that was it. You had Mm. 47 states that could not legalize sports betting. So Mm. when the Supreme Court struck that down and said it was commandeering, um, that if Congress wanted to criminalize gambling, it could under its Commerce Clause powers, but it chose not to. It essentially said that states are prevented from doing something Legal, which was legalizing sports betting, and therefore that was commandeering because they were preventing states from choosing to do something on their own that did not necessarily violate federal law. Yeah, that makes uh, makes total sense. Uh, a lot of our listeners, you know, as Alec being <clears throat> the largest nonpartisan voluntary organization of state legislators, a lot of our listeners are state legislators. Um, what would you say to those audience members? What would you say is the biggest take home that they should remember uh, when listening to this podcast? Podcast, either going back into their state capital or uh, learning from other state legislators. That this is an issue that needs to be looked at and examined. It's already been done in 43 states in the District of Columbia in, in a certain capacity. So really, this, since so many states are now doing this and so many states have legalized sports betting, you're likely going to have a neighboring state that has legalized it. Mm -hmm. So when you go back and you're making these decisions and making these determinations, yes, there are risks. There are certainly risks with gambling. It's a vice. There certainly are. But would you rather be able to adequately police the vice and be able to regulate said vice? Or would you rather potentially have a a situation where the black market is driving sports betting? And also for states that have legalized sports betting, it's important to note that... uh, if the tax rate is too high on 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 the uh, on the actual sports bets being placed, what's going to happen is then 
the black market will still be competitive in that state mm. and be able to offer better numbers for the consumer. So it will still flourish. So in a sense, that's almost like applying the idea of a Laffer curve in income tax to sports betting. Is that fair to say a little bit where if it's too onerous, you're not going to receive much of the benefits. And if it's too little, you're obviously like in the sense of taxation, right? Zero percent, you get zero, hundred percent, you get zero too, because people will avoid the market. So in my very rudimentary understanding of economics, that then yes, that, that, <laughs> That is correct. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, uh, Ron, I, I, I do want you to give any uh, quick moment if you want to talk a little bit more about uh, the leagues. Um, I know we, we brought that up, but then uh, quickly jumped it over to a different conversation. Um, please tell our listeners a little bit more about uh, what the leagues are t- saying now, because I know you said there's a little bit of a change um, after the Supreme Court ruling. Sure. So in the wake of the Supreme Court ruling, the leagues have now... Um, specifically Major League Baseball and the NBA have almost teamed up and uh, come around to support sports betting. The NFL does as well. I mean, the NFL is going to have a team, going to be moving a team next year to uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. So it's... The They're walking into the lines then there, right? They, they got to sure deal with are. it now. <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, you know, I think the leagues have recognized that there are ways to legalize sports betting and still preserve the integrity of the game because it's all about for the leagues it's all about preserving the integrity of the game and so some of their legislative priorities uh, are unsurprising so one of them is sports leagues must be able to opt out of sports betting so Mm. there are certain types of bets that are susceptible to corruption and fixing than others so let's say you have um minor league games that people are betting on minor league baseball players don't make a whole lot of money yeah so because of that that those games are more susceptible to uh people getting bribed and games getting fixed and undermining the integrity of those games other uh prop bets or in-game uh bets the leagues must be able to uh opt out of the betting as well Mm. so these are bets that um like for i'll say for example you bet on a, pl- a certain player, let's say Juan Soto, to get a hit in his fourth trip to the plate or his third trip to the plate sure. or just an extra base hit for that evening. Very specific bet. Sure. Yeah. The, some of those bets are susceptible to uh, corruption. but So the leagues want to be able to opt out of those bets. And another thing the leagues want to do is have uh, protections on the consumer. So this includes age restrictions, mm. as with any vice. You know, we see tobacco, alcohol, uh, advertising restrictions, and um, self-exclusion programs for problem gamblers, so mm. people who are addicted to gambling. Yeah. And also, the, what the leagues are pushing as well is the requiring the use of real-time uh, official league data to ensure the accuracy and consistency of the betting outcomes for people who are actually betting on the game or in the in-game bet or what or what have you so some of those things the leagues are doing will certainly help preserve the integrity of the game and i just want to add as well uh the one of the other things the leagues are doing is they're limiting betting to just a handful they're saying that let me back up they're saying that limiting betting to just a few locations in person will still allow the offshore black market to prosper Ah. and do well. What needs to be done is that there needs to be online betting in addition to these brick and mortar casinos where you can actually place your bets. Because people, let's face it, 
people live on their phones now, their smartphones. They, yeah. you know, with the press of a button, they want everything. I can, I can pay all my bills with my phone. I can check my email with my phone. I can do anything yeah. with the press of a button. And people, consumers are going to want that. And, and mm-hmm. leagues realize that. And it's a very reasonable extension of where sports betting and betting in general is going. And the leagues recognize that and feel strongly about offering online gaming to uh, further discourage black market betting into the black market's always going to exist it's a matter of shrinking it down to a certain size that makes it largely irrelevant yeah i think that's a really great point um with that it does kind of bring us to the end of our uh segment today thank you very much uh for listening uh i'm dan reynolds the host of alec across the states and i've been sitting down with ronald lampart our senior director of the criminal justice and civil justice task force here at alec where he works on multitude of issues and uh sports betting is a growing trend in the states and we wanted to make sure you our listeners including all of the state legislators members of alec um had some great information so ron thank you very much for sitting down with me thank you dan of course and if you are interested in being featured on the alec across the states podcast please email across the states at alec.org and we would love to feature you um also consider giving a tax deductible donation at the link in the bio thank you very much go nats <laughs> Cut that out, I guess. Oh, no, we, we'll do it. Thank you for listening to Across the States, the leading state-focused policy podcast presented by the American Legislative Exchange Council, the premier free market organization of and for legislators. To learn more about our work or to make a tax-deductible donation, visit alec.org. Tell us what you think on Facebook and Twitter at Alec States. The views and opinions expressed on Across the States are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the American Legislative Exchange Council.